This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 20th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Uh, my name is Dawn Jadis. Um, I was at Hofstra Radio from 1982 to 1986. And what shows or programs did you work on at the station? I was the continuity director for the station. I produced a show called Rock Ages, which was the classic rock show. Um, I comboed um, a jazz show in the afternoon called Land of Make-Believe. Um, I also comboed a show called Airwave. And then I engineered many, many shows, starting with the classics at Hofstra, which was early in the morning. Um, I also engineered a show called Learning About the Law. It was a mm -hmm. pre-recorded show that was put together with a lawyer. Um, I also um, engineered the Irish Country Show, a Jewish music program. And I also helped out um, Jeff Foss, who used to do a show called P5, which was the post-punk progressive pop party. So you had all the bases covered. You were doing a little bit of everything. Absolutely, because back in the day, um, the station was small. We had a small group of students, and we all had to just chip in and do whatever, cover whatever on-air shift. Even if you didn't want to wake up early and do the classics, you know, we took care of it. So I, I, I don't expect a, a specific number, but I'm always curious how many people were about at the station. How many people do you think were, were regularly doing shifts and involved with the station at that time? Mm, I don't know. I'd say maybe 20 solid people that were very responsible and always there when you needed them. Right, right. And then there are the, the people who floated in and out. Yeah, that sounds about a, a, the right number. I, I think whatever generation we are, there's, there's usually a couple of dozen people who are dedicated to the cause. Um, did you have any titles or positions of management at the station? Uh, just the continuity director. Oh, okay, okay. Um, did you use your own name on the air? Did you have a nickname or an alias? Oh, no, oh, no. You know, um, my whole life, my last name was butchered growing up in Levittown. It's a very, very Italian last name. So I wanted something very, very simple. And I used to be into dance music, and I remember there was a DJ on BLS and KISS FM named G. Keith Alexander, which actually he's also a vocal coach. He does a lot, a lot of commercials. You may recognize his voice. And so I took the name Dawn Alexander. Nice. Nice. Very good. Um, so this is a two-part question and answer in whatever way makes sense to you. But uh, I always want to know what brought people to the radio station to begin with. And then if you could paint a picture for us uh, of what the station was like, what it looked like, where it was, uh, maybe some people that you met uh, as you first got down to the radio station. Well, initially, um, I had commuted, and then my family moved to Texas because my dad's job with American Airlines, so I moved on campus. And back then, when they first opened the Netherlands, each little building had a program, and I was in a program called the Communications Workshop, which really, back in the day, was a great idea because everybody that lived in your building was a communications major. You went to class with them. You could study with them primarily 
you know, radio, TV production, film, and journalism students. So hmm. one of my roommates happened to have been working at the radio station, and she just suggested to me, like, Dawn, why don't you come on down, hang out, get to know everybody, and join the radio station. Um, and once I got to the radio station, it just opened my eyes. Like, it was just like another world. I really, really enjoyed it. But back then, we were in the basement of Memorial Hall, and mm -hmm. it was pretty run down, and it was musty, and it was, uh, you know, I felt like the whole station was put together with bits and pieces of things that probably came from other radio stations. But, you know, we made it work, the group of us, and, you know, we tried to put on some good shows, and again, it I just loved it. It just opened up my eyes. In addition to taking other classes besides radio, you know, I took TV production, I took film, I took journalism, but radio was in my heart. That was, you know, my go-to. I really enjoyed working at the radio station. Who was the friend, who was the roommate who first suggested you go to the station? Um, her name is Carol Brooks. Okay. That's her stage name. <laughs> And she does voiceover work to this day also. Okay. Um, so prior to this meeting, it seemed like you were interested in communications generally. Did you have the idea of radio in mind before that, or is this a new idea for you? Actually, no. I first started out in my heart. I always thought I wanted to be a lawyer and go to law school. And I was first contemplating like a political science major and I started taking some classes, and there was something called a freshman level program where you took like uh, different courses, political science, English, you know, things of that nature. And after a while, I just said, I don't think this is for me. So living in the communication uh, workshop in Netherlands, again, all the people in your building were all communication majors, and that just piqued my interest so much that. I just declared myself a communications major from that point on. That seems like such an interesting idea. I was a commuter student as well, coming from Levittown. Um, I don't know if there was a program like that when I was there, but the, the idea that all these people who are like-minded and interested are, are living in the same place, that seems like a really smart idea. Yeah, because I remember there was one building for like some athletics. There was one building people who were taking like the sciences. So... Again, I don't know if they ever, you know, continued with it down the road, but all the years that, you know, I was a student at Hofstra, I, I lived in the, again, the communications workshop building with, and again, it was so good because you built camaraderie, you went to classes, you could study at night with these people because these were the students that you went to classes with during the day. Hmm. So, so Carol invites you to come down to the radio station and I guess you meet a few people. Um, were there training classes to teach you how to engineer or announce or do things on the air or was it just, they, they just no, throw you, you in the deep end and. Yes. You like learn, we like, you learn from each other, you know, okay. there was no specific, you know, training. Um, you know, again, I met like everybody at the radio station, everybody relatively was helpful. You know, if you took an interest, people were there for you, you know, they had your backs, you know, to want you to be successful and be a part of the station. Hmm. 
So you listed a, a, a wide variety of programs, P5 and Airwave and, and the jazz program. Um, do you remember what, what maybe the first show or, or, or program that sort of piqued your interest that kind of pulled you in? Honestly, none of them. Because oh. when I was younger, they used to call me Disco Dawn. So in my heart, I always tell people I'm stuck in the 80s. I love dance music because when I started doing The Land of Make-Believe, I sort of gave it a little dancey flair, like a lot of Al Jarreau and things mm -hmm. of that nature, like jazzy, danceable. And nobody complained. As long as I took records from the record file that were for The Land of Make-Believe, I was okay. <laughs> No, that's funny. Um, and that was that was high time for for nineteen eighties uh, Long Island dance right. music. That was that was prime time. Did you ever have a show that that was focused on that, or did you just work that into the existing programs? Um, well, I was open to like again. I engineered. I comboed pretty much anything anybody threw at me because again we were a close-knit you know crew and you know if you didn't have class at eight o'clock in the morning then you kind of were expected to like do the classics like who wants to engineer like classical music at eight o'clock in the morning I mean it was never like you know the slot that people were like clamoring for so. right um do you if not the exact first time do you remember what it was like getting on the air or being a, a newly cleared engineer do you have memories of how it felt were you excited were you nervous were you you know super I'm confident not usually like a nervous person i just jump in with both my feet so um I something about being on the radio, it had like a mystique about it because i felt like nobody knew like this voice, like what does that person look like? So I like the fact that I'm hidden behind a microphone and people don't really know too much about me. I'm just like a voice on the radio. So that part I really like enjoyed. So that gave you a little bit of confidence to just go and do right. it? Right, because I remember I had a TV production class one time and we had to interview somebody, and I happened to ask Jeff Krause. When I first met Jeff Krause, I was afraid of him. I was like, oh, my mm -hmm. God, he's scary. But then as time went by, he was like my mentor. He was my friend. I really loved Jeff Krause, and I guarantee that not one person will ever say a bad thing about him. Like, I feel like he molded, like, all the years I was at Hofstra. So I had asked him if I could interview him for a TV production uh, exercise, and I was a nervous wreck. He kind of led the interview. Like, he saved me, and I was mm. so thankful for that. I think because I was on camera, and I never liked – when it came to, like, photography, I like to take the picture. I don't want to be in the picture. So that's why – I love the radio so much because, you know, again, I'm, you know, nobody can see what I look like. Not that I'm unattractive or anything, but I just, again, love the, like, the fact that nobody knew what I look like. Whereas being on camera, I felt more pressure and more, and feeling nervous more so. Do you think that experience of interviewing Jeff, uh, was that sort of a turning point in your relationship where you, you felt more comfortable around him or, or you, you, you realized 
you know, he had a role as an educator, as a mentor. Was it that moment or was it just a, a, a gradual thing where you said, no, this I guy isn't happened, so scary? Yeah. It happened earlier, I think, because once I got to know him and I was in the office all the time with him and he was my professor for a lot of classes that, you know, all of that just kind of disappeared. I mean, sometimes when you meet new people and, you know, it, like you you don't expect like the type of person they are, but once you warm up to them and you realize like their look is so different than their personality or their heart. So once I got to know the real Jeff Krause again, I would do anything for him. He was just an amazing, amazing professor for me. Hmm. I, I, it's almost like uh, he had to have this air of authority and you sort of yes. had to earn your way into getting that that next level where he was that educator and he was a mentor and he was a friend. Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, I want to go back for a second because you were talking about the mystique and, and sort of being uh, not quite anonymous on the radio that but that you, you know, you had your, your stage name, that you were doing these programs, um, considering that the 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 broadcast range of the station included your hometown. Did, did people that you, you knew from Levittown know you were on the air, your friends from high school or people in your neighborhood? Yes, I did tell some people. And the funny thing is that, believe it or not, I kind of had like fans, like they would tune into some of the shows and call in for requests. And it made me like feel like special or not that I was like a celebrity or a star, but it makes you feel good that like, there's fan, there's sort of fans out there who call mm -hmm. and like you, you did something nice for them and they're like, oh, thanks, last week you played that song. I love that song. So, you know, I've always been like a people pleaser, even, you know, through all of my career, I've always been in some kind of a customer service industry. So I always try to like, you know, do something helpful to people or the community. There is something special about that connection you make with a with a listener or someone you're working on a show with when when you know that they like something that you did or something that you said. That's uh, it's very rewarding thing, and it seems like you're definitely getting uh, a big reward out of being absolutely. on the air. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, who are some of the people who uh, you mentioned a couple of names, but who are some of the people that you met uh, in your early days at the station that helped you sort of get acclimated or maybe gave you some good advice? Jeff Foss was great. Um, John Blen, um, Mike D'Antonio. I mean, there was so many Barbara Enya's and her husband Walter. I mean, back in the day, there was again we were like such a tight knit crew, you know. So we had each other's back. We were always there. You know, if I couldn't do an on air slot, you know, I'd ask, you know, can somebody fill in for me? You know, I would study for a test or whatever. So I always felt like we worked really good together, the group that we had, you know, everybody had their little pet peeves and, you know, we were sort of like a mixed bag of nuts or whatever, but <laughs> we all got along. <laughs> that, that is a consistent theme throughout a lot of the interviews that, that people say, you know, we were kind of a bunch of oddballs or misfits <laughs> or just, just people that, that found a home and a community. Uh, at the station. Did you find that once you found the station, you were spending a lot of time there, even if you weren't on the air, or were you still hanging out in the Netherlands? No, no, absolutely. Like, that's how 
I knew I did Airwave, and then after Airwave came the P5 show with Jeff Foss. So I don't want to go home. I don't want to go back to my dorm room. So then I'd hang out with Jeff because he was a wealth of information. He was really mm -hmm. an amazing guy, too. So that's when, you know, sometimes he'd be like, oh, you want to, like, do some engineering work, you know, with me? You want to do some production work? So I never said no to hang out at the radio station or to learn from somebody else. So um, I don't if you can't remember the exact details, that's okay. I'm trying to get a sense of of the the, the weeknight schedule at the time. Uh, so the the land of make believe. Uh, uh, there was a jazz show in the afternoons. Yeah, that um, was. I'd say like maybe it was like either twelve to two or two to four. It was in the afternoon. I remember. And then at some point, the airwave program was on. I assume that was Monday to Friday. And then P5 followed that. Is that right? Yes. That was like okay. the last show of the night. Because that's why I would sometimes hang out with Jeff. Because then, you know, we had to close down the station. You know, there was different, you know, things that we had to like, you know, read at the end of the night to close down sure. the station. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think if, if I had to, I could probably still do the sign off copy. There were a lot of 3 a.m. <laughs> nights there, but we, we won't do that right now. We'll save that for another time. Um, right. It, and also because you're by yourself. So you, you would love to have like somebody else hanging out with you, you know, and then, you know, leaving campus, you know, with some, with, you know, with a friend or somebody, you know. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have to worry about pretty much crime or anything. It's just the fact that you were alone and you'd always write, you know, rather have, you know, some, you know, somebody with you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems like in, in terms of in social terms that, that once you found out about the station, it seems like you were pretty comfortable there right away. Is that right? Oh, I get comfortable pretty easily. Um, like I said, I'm always like looking to meet new people, try new things. So again, I felt way more comfortable with the people at the radio station actually working the board than, like I said, with like the TV production or, you know, film, journalism. I had done journalism back in high school and worked for, like, the school paper. But for right. some strange reason, I really enjoyed, you know, anything having to do with radio. Um, and in terms of getting comfortable on the air, did you feel, you, you mentioned that mystique, that, that, that sort of that power of being the personality on the air. Did you feel pretty comfortable right away, or did it take a little time to get comfortable there? Well, I felt comfortable, but... I would do like air checks and I would like listen to my voice and sometimes I would critique it and, you know, say, eh, I don't even like sound good on the radio and everybody's like, oh, you sound fine. So then I would try to like change my voice in a positive way, um, you know, maybe to be a little more sultry at night, you know, something like that. I used to come up with, like, little ideas, like, I would say, like, WRHU, the only station worth listening to. So, you know, I would try to, like, you know, come up with, like, little taglines. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's nice to make that little identity uh, for yourself, because it, it certainly matters to you. And if someone's taking the time to listen uh, to a station at the left end of the dial, it, it must matter to them as well. I like that a lot. Um. We, we have the benefit of hindsight. We're having this conversation years after you were at the station. So obviously it meant a lot to you and we have the, the benefit of those memories, but could you put yourself back in your shoes at, at 18 at 
coming to Hofstra and the radio station uh, and that first suggestion of going there, what did you hope the station would mean for you? And then what did it become? Well, part of me was just looking to make new friends. I figured, you know, a group of like like-minded students, you know, working together at a college radio station. Then, you know, once I was all in, then I started thinking like, oh, maybe this could be like a stepping stone to like a future career as a radio engineer because I loved like engineering. I loved doing production work. And Back in the day, well, even today, I mean, jobs in radio are very difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. I did have a few odd jobs in radio, but, you know, at the time I was on my own. I can't, like, survive on working, like, eight hours a week traveling into New York City. So, you know, I had to, you know, survive. I had to, like, pay rent and, you know, other expenses. So I always think that, oh, if I live with my family, you know, maybe I could have stuck with it and, you know, put up with it. But you got to do what you got to do sometimes. But I always wish that I was still involved in radio. Yeah. Once once you catch that that radio bug, especially at a place like Hofstra Radio, it's it sort of sticks with you for a while. I know a number of people have said, you know, that was you know, not necessarily the best days of their lives, but it's, it's such a unique opportunity to do really interesting things that uh, it's, you, you hope you appreciate it while you're doing it. Right. Yeah. Well, Don, this was, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and your memories and your time. And uh, I'm working on another round of questions and hopefully you have a few more stories to share. Absolutely. I mean, you could keep in touch with me. You know, I'm an open book and, you know, I look forward to you reaching out to me, you know, in the future. Not a problem. Thanks. Thank you.